This is Design Safe Radio, where natural hazards researchers strive to make our society more resilient to everything nature throws at us. The wind speed maps for that, you know, those regions in Puerto Rico have already been updated. That that project wow. had a very quick turnaround. So there was an update to the wind speed maps that are used in design. So, you know, a project like that has direct impact on design. I said it was also a set of projects. Um, so that was funded by FEMA. That was kind of the quick turnaround mm -hmm. initial part of the project. Um, NIST has also funded um, kind of a complementary project that's actually still ongoing. So continuing to look at topographic models, but also build, building area models. Um, and they're measuring flow, not just with the automated instrumentation gantry that, you know, puts probes down over the topography, but they're also looking um, using a particle image velocimetry system that uses a laser um, that basically illuminates, you know, a sheet of light that illuminates these particles that we seed into the flow and then high speed uh. cameras capture the motions of those particles. So we wow. get a, yeah, kind of it's stereographic so we can get, you know, 3d time resolved flow over these complex terrains. And so that, yeah, that project with NIST also has, you know, complementary, field testing and, and mm -hmm. computational modeling that goes with it. So that's quite a large project. And then the third project in this set of projects is a, is a project that uh, Forest Masters is the PI on, which is funded by NSF. It's an eager project. And they're looking at using machine learning tools to basically predict the wind speed up over complex terrains. Wow. Um, and so they're training their models with the data that they you know, found in the, in the wind tunnel. And I think he's still wrapping that project up. So yeah, lots of cool stuff there. Yeah. There's so much cool stuff that you guys do down there. Like do you have some other kind of specific examples like that of how your facility has helped, um, you know, secure this, our built environment, our in infrastructure against these, these wind hazards that you look at? Yeah, we have a lot of uh, a lot of examples. Um, when I kind of look back at our user, pro you know, because it's it's ultimately our, our users that come in and do the interesting research, and we're really just here to try to support what they want to do. Um, one example that I, that comes to mind is Duanzo. He's at Texas Tech University, um, and he's been looking at the impacts of tornadic loads on low-rise buildings, and he's doing this in conjunction with at Texas Tech. He has a tornado simulator, so he's using that along with our facility to basically understand, you know, the impacts of tornado lows on low-rise buildings. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, low-rise buildings, you know, uh, I don't know, high-rise buildings often get all the attention, but when we look at the economic losses and, you know, tornadoes and other storm type of, uh, you know, types of events, it's, it's these residential structures that we really want to, you know, understand, um, you know, the loads that they're seeing, the damage they're sustaining, mm -hmm. and then try to understand how we can design them, you know, do a better job at design to, you know, improve public safety, reduce economic losses. Um, you know, our ability to uh, simulate a large number of terrains in our facility, I mentioned that the terraformer has, you know, that unique capability of being able to run through just a bunch of different terrains has allowed us to look at um, kind of better, kind of more accurate modeling of terrains. So terrains um, near a building can have a like, the specific terrain conditions around a building can have a tremendous impact on the loads that that building sees. And so mm -hmm. being able to more accurately model those terrain conditions um, has really opened up, you know, a lot of our ability to answer a lot of questions about, you know, um, how it impacts the loads that the structures see. Um, let me see what else what other projects are coming to mind. You did one that was, um, I think, varying the geometry of... Uh... 
structure and feedback (laughs) with the wind in real, almost in real time. Yes. No, that's been a, that's been a super cool project. So yeah, thank you for reminding me of that because that one had several iterations over a few years. So the PI on that project is Brian Phillips. And actually interesting to note, he was at the University of Maryland when he first started working with us. And now he's a co-PI on our NERI site here. So (laughs) he moved to the University of Florida and we're so happy to have him. Um, what he pioneered in our wind tunnel is what we call cyber physical wind tunnel testing. And, you know, in a nutshell, it's we're, we're putting models in the wind tunnel at the test section that can be changed during testing. So it's not a static model. It's not just a, you know, a static geometry or a static configuration. It's something where we're trying to optimize some feature of that structure in real time, you know, under testing conditions until we come, you know, come up with some kind of optimal configuration or optimal design. And so his project actually had several iterations. The first was a, a, a fairly, you know, regular building, a rectangular building, you know, might um, kind of uh, represent a mid-rise office building, that type of thing. But what he was able to do was to create it in such a way that the outer shell of the building can move up and down so that you could vary the height of the parapet, which is kind of that oh, yeah. short wall at the top of a building, you've been on top of the building, yeah. and, you know. And by varying the height of the parapet, he could come up with the optimal height for, you know, trying to optimize, say, the pressures that, you know, he's seeing over the top of the building at, at different points on the building. Which are pretty important because you think of the kind of things that are on top of buildings. You've got, you know, your heating and air conditioning. You've got, mm-hmm. you know, radio antennas. You've got roofing systems. All sorts of things that get impacted by wind loads and are really expensive to replace. Yeah, no, it, it yeah, exactly. I mean, not to mention um, the cladding itself. You know, if you have you know too much uplift or you know other types of loading conditions, it can be quite damaging even to the structure. And so, um, you know, this was kind of a proof of concept. You know, can we? Very something about the structure during testing. And he uses optimization algorithms in real time. So he's collecting the pressure measurements, running the optimization scheme, you know, in a loop, coming up with, all right, here's the next height we want to go to. And then does it all over again until he's able to optimize the height of that parapet. Um, and so once he and his team um, completed that kind of proof of concept, um, he moved on to more complex models. And so the next one was um, kind of a uh, mid to high rise, um, seven story or seven degree of freedom model. Um, that's a dynamic model, an aeroelastic model. So mm. I guess I should distinguish between the two types of models we can put in the wind tunnel. Mm-hmm. A, a bluff body um, model is going to be rigid. Okay. We're just interested in how the wind is interacting with the geometry but we aren't, the model isn't moving, okay? It's just a rigid model. Aeroelastic model, we're looking at the interaction between the building motion and the wind. And so an aeroelastic model moves. You get, you want to induce that dynamic response. Of course, this opens up a whole lot of scaling challenges and, you know, how you scale things. But so this was an aeroelastic model that had variable stiffness. So this is very, yeah, this is very hard to explain. You know, radio is not the the greatest for this, but basically he had... um, kind of these uh, um, tension elements that kind of ran the height of the building. And then underneath the building, underneath the turntable, he had these variable stiffness devices where he could essentially change the tension in those um, cables to change the stiffness of the building. And so he could adjust the stiffness of the building. And when you adjust the stiffness, you're going to adjust the dynamic response. Mm -hmm. And again, he could do that in real time during testing. So it's like if you had a a device on a guitar, like the pegs Mm -hmm. on a guitar, if you could tune it in real time, like motors on the tuning pegs. 
That is exactly what he's doing. He's basically changing the length of those cables in, in, in real time to come up with the optimal stiffness to optimize, I think in this case, um, um, iterate and spend a lot of money on a bunch of different models. You just have a yeah. single model that you can optimize. And so, you know, it's really potentially the future of structural design is you've got the architects, the, the structural engineers, the, the wind tunnel experts all in the same room converging on a solution. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Design Safe Radio. This show is sponsored by the National Science Foundation grant number 1612144. You can subscribe to Design Safe Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please leave us a review so we can improve the show. Please also help others find our episodes in iTunes. Thanks for your feedback and support. You can find out more about NARI at designsafe-ci.org on Facebook at Design Safe Radio, or on Twitter at Nary Design Safe.